Optophobia, the fear of opening one's eyes. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you, our listeners, to move beyond that fear, to solve riddles they don't want us to unriddle, to investigate supposedly ironclad truths, to unearth evidence buried for so long they believed it would stay buried. Season 3. It started with a deranged Oregon magician who bit the head off a ferret during a holiday show for children. At least that's what we've been told. Since then, the disease called Kofefi-19 has raged across the globe. Yes, the virus has separated us, isolated us, shaken us. But it can't take away our sense of incredulity. We know that 5G cell waves make us more susceptible to the virus. That doctors Deborah Burks and Anthony Fauci lead the medical wing of the deep state. And that Bill Gates is seeding the eventual vaccine with nanocrystals to track our locations 24-7. We've been told less about the Redmond Institute of Virology, an Oregon-based BSL-4-level biosafety facility that just happens to experiment with ferrets. This season on Optophobia, we'll track down the distortions, the assumptions, the omissions. Are you bored by the lies? Open your eyes. Hi, everybody. I am your host, Anthony Bouvier. Welcome to the third season of Optophobia. On today's show, we will meet one of our new co-hosts, Gino Romero, and talk to our first guest, Casper Geronimo. Uh, But before we get to Gino and Casper, I want to introduce our topic for the season, the disease caused by a novel coronavirus called SARS-CoV-2 that has ravaged the world. So a quick refresher for any optophobes who've been quarantining under a rock for the last five months. In mid-February, the World Health Organization named the disease caused by the virus COFEFI-19. The CO stands for corona, the V for virus. The first FE, F, stands for ferret, because that's what a guy ate to kick this whole thing off. And the second FE, which is FE, stands for fever, because that's what happens when you get it. At least that's the story we've been told. During a holiday-themed children's show in mid-December, a slightly deranged magician in rural Oregon who called himself the Great Baked Potato bit the head off of a ferret, and he soon became ill. But not before performing three more times across the state while asymptomatic. The Great Baked Potato's real name is Ron Smate. And within a week of the ferret incident, he performed his act at an assisted living facility in Three Forks called Meadows of the Hills, which is, full disclosure, a franchise of the Polyps at Jonathan Winters Elder Care Corp., a subsidiary of Blend Venom Solutions, Inc., 
the parent company of this podcast. The Great Baked Potato also performed in a meatpacking plant in Goldendale, Oregon, and at a giant funeral in Salem. But what we haven't heard as much about, in part because of a media that seems to have pledged blind loyalty to the U.S. government, is the Redmond Institute of Virology. RIV, located in Oregon's interior just north of Bend, is a BSL-4 level biosafety facility, meaning the work there deals with potentially fatal agents that can be aerosol transmitted and for which there are no available vaccines or treatments. RIV, it turns out, also had a team working with ferrets, which share many physiological features with humans, so are used as experimental animal models for influenza and respiratory disease testing. So while we've heard all about Ron Smate eating a ferret, we have not heard about a massive jailbreak of sorts by at least 230 ferrets from the facility in mid-December, or the fact that the great baked potato himself lives just a half mile from the barbed wire protected front gates of, yes, the Redmond Institute for Virology. All of that made the production staff here at Optophobia think that if a question mark exists with the very origins of this pandemic, there must be other lies that we've been fed. So we decided to dedicate this season to Kofefi 19, even as it swirls around us. To help us find all manner of truths over the coming weeks, we've asked two experts to help me co-host this season. Next week, we'll meet Peachy Jennings, a smooth jazz aficionado who has really found her calling speaking truth to power over the last several months. But first, let's meet our other co-host for season three, Gino Romero. Gino, thanks for agreeing to come on this journey with us. Hey, what's going on, Tony? Uh, Gino here from uh, the Bronx, New York. Uh, I work in a bagel shop called Everything Bagels. You know, I'm just living life uh, day day by day right now. You know, I got like uh, I got a new mask that I'm wearing now. You know, we're about to be opening back up and making the bagels, so that's gonna be good. Outside of that, I'm, uh, you know, I'm just taking it day by day. So, how long have you have you worked at uh, Everything Bagels? I've I've been teleworking there now for about uh, four weeks. You've been teleworking for the bagel for the bagel place. Yeah, yeah, we're all doing work at home. So I'm making bagels at home, and then I have a runner who comes to my house and picks up the bagels, takes them back to the store, and they sell them from the store. Wow! So you have all the facilities, the bagel making facilities at your. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. They redid my entire kitchen. They redid it so it was bagel ready. I have the same equipment at home that they have at the store. So they said, uh, you know, we're not gonna lose anything. All the bagel artists are at home making the bagels, and then they have a runner who picks them up in the morning. Is that a, your official title there? Yeah, I'm a big. Ba- I'm a bagel artist. Um, I'm hoping that one day I can move up to become a bagel savant. Um, and then after that, uh, you know, be a manager or a bagel sommelier. So above manager is a bagel sommelier? Yeah, someone who can just, by tasting the bagel, knows the flavor and knows all the, like, whatever kind of wheat you use, whatever kind of flour you used, whether or not the sugar was refined cane sugar or it was like blood diamond sugar that was imported. That's the highest level. That's the, the highest level of, um, of the bagel hierarchy. 
you can become a bagel sommelier, you know, and that's what I'm aiming for, you know. So I'm starting here as an artist, and then I hope to move my way up. You guys have been totally, not totally closed, but you've been open for takeout, and you're making the takeout bagels, and then they're getting run to everything bagels, and that's where people pick them up. It kind of doesn't make sense when you think about it, because we're all basically a franchise now. And, and if someone's doing a pickup, I said, I put this up in our last meeting. I said, if we're doing pickups, why don't you just send the customers straight here? Like customers who live in my area called the Bronx. Why don't they just come right to my spot, get the bagels? Because by the time the bagels go to the store, they're cold. But when they're here, fresh, fresh out of the, the, uh, the uh, boiling the pot in the oven, they're good to go. And, uh, you know, the whole packaging up and send them in. And then customers got to go straight to that store to get them instead of just coming right to me. And then I can get that money. I can give the, you know, the cut back to the, uh, to everything bagels. It sounds like you're well on your way to being a bagel savant because that's a lot of business. You're not just an artist that you just thought of a lot of business. Stop it. Stop it. You're too kind. You're too kind. Stop it. So tell me what you think has been hidden from us during this pandemic. That, uh, they have more masks than they're letting us use. Yeah. I think they've made way more masks than they're saying. I think uh, there was never a shortage of masks whatsoever. They knew this was coming. They've always had masks. And now all of a sudden, you know, this ferret, Kofefe's out there, this ferret infections out there. And now all of a sudden we're short on masks. And so they're hit, they're stockpiled somewhere. They're stockpiled somewhere. I have to say another thing though, you know, people who, you know, I've never met someone who's owned a ferret and thought this is a normal person. I've always thought everyone who's owned a parrot had like a screw or two loose. So this doesn't surprise me that, you know, someone's playing around with a ferret and then now it germs are out there. Yeah. I think most people are, uh, are worried that this magician had a screw loose to begin with. Yeah. I've never met a magician who had his, uh, his, uh, you know, Ducks in a row, as it were. Or ferrets. Or ferrets, yeah, or ferrets. Let's keep going so we can meet our guest. First, I want to say if you're new to Optophobia, welcome. Please check out our website, optophobia.org, where you can learn a little bit about our previous seasons. Uh, We first looked into a secret Cold War military base in the Horn of Africa. And last season, we examined the deep state, an underground society that pulls the real levers of power for the U.S. government. So let's get into season three. Our first guest this season, Casper Geronimo, is a former executive at carmaker Tesla. Wow. And has some remarkable information about CEO Elon Musk's involvement with the Kofefi-19 pandemic. So Casper, welcome to Optophobia. Thank you. Really good to have you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Casper Geronimo, I am... A former executive at Tesla. Um, I got let go because of some nocturnal activities that I was uh, that I was getting into there. I'm uh, I'm from Surprise, Arizona. Uh, that's the literal name of the town. And um, yeah, I I was one of their best. I, I rose to the ranks at Tesla as one of their best salesmen. I could sell a Tesla to anybody. Where Where is uh, Surprise, Arizona? Northwest, Northwest Arizona, near the, near the Grand Canyon. That's a surprise. Yeah. Were you a mechanic? Were you good with your car growing up? Why were you attracted to getting a job at Tesla? I always wanted to work for uh, you know one of those one of those leading edge companies. So every every time 
you know, in my career going back 15, 20 years, whatever the hot company was, I wanted to go work for that company. First it was Apple, then it was Uber, then it was um, Bird, the scooter company. Whatever the company, the hot company that is, I want to go, I want to get into that. Didn't you work at Enron? Enron, yeah, I was there yeah, you, too. Yeah, you started at Enron, I believe. We were looking at your background. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's one one chapter of my professional history that I uh, I wish I could take back. But um, you know, we had a hell of a time there. Hell of a time. What was your job at Tesla? What did you do while you were? Well, I, you know, I rose to the ranks as a sales salesperson. I sold a Tesla to Dick Cheney. That guy's already like a Tesla. He's got like. He's got like Tesla technology keeping him alive. That was basically my pitch, and uh, you know he's he started a war over oil. He's he's all about oil, and I was like, this is the future, and this car's sexy, just like you. Hey, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Are the artists there designing the cars to elicit a sort of like metaphysical like sexual response when when I see it? Because when I see a Tesla, my heart does like kick up a beat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of thought uh, along those lines goes into how to make it look like a car that fucks. Yeah. And the front of the car has like no grill, so it's almost like someone's bound, and like the their, their mouth is taped over. And I'm like, why is this turning me on right now? I know. They they watch a lot. They read a lot of uh, uh, e-fiction. They actually they they hired a lot of writers to write a lot of. Erotic e-fiction, erotic fiction. Yeah, I know, I know. Featuring the the cars, and then they they would get those people in a room, and then they would get them in the room with the designers, and then they would talk about you know what's the most erotic design for a car, you know, and and the taped over mouth is one of them, uh, being completely silent. That's so sexy too. It's got like a whole girl with the dragon tattoo vibe going on. We will, we love that movie. We watch that movie all the time over there. Casper, you mentioned uh, some nocturnal activities that you got in trouble for and that led to your uh, exit from Tesla. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, you know, I, this this does give me an opportunity to plug for myself. So, I, you know. Yeah, please. Plug warning. Like I mentioned, and like we all agree, these cars, they fuck. They're sexy. And I started uh, staying late and um, making some amateur adult films featuring the car. Holy crap. Yeah, there was, a, there was an extreme demand. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Why not explore that? First, it started as, a, as a, you know, just a, I guess you would call it a fetish. And then it was like, well, why don't we film it, you know? Hmm. And then that just upped the, it up the ante, you know? It was like just something you're not supposed to do. You can't. People are buying these cars. I'm, I would, I would fuck in a car, and then I would sell it to someone the next day. All new technology is used by the porn industry first. When I first saw a Tesla came out, and they were talking about all this technology, I said, "Oh, porn's gonna snatch this up real quick." Oh yeah. Let's uh, let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back with Casper Geronimo. Okay, we are back with Casper Geronimo. Casper, you were talking about some of the activities that got you eventually let go from Tesla, but you also mentioned you wanted to plug something right before you talked about your films. I was wondering if there are any available. Uh, yeah, 
It's a joint venture between me and my wife. Uh, we're in all the videos together. And you just uh, give me one name and I'll look it up. I'll look it up right now. It's called Sexla. It, that's our website. Holy crap. Look at this website. Yeah, no, right? Are those real? That's got to be real. This is your wife? That's Ramona. This is Ramona next to the car? Holy crap. Yep. Yep. Talk about uh, you know, sleek design. So was naming naming your company Sexla, was there a copyright issue there? Yeah. Yeah, we had to fight for that. But my lawyer came up with a very uh, genius argument against uh, you know my former employer, Tesla. Like, no, that's way too much like Tesla. And you're using the cars in the videos. And you're just, you're just changing one or two letters. That's not enough. And the T, the T was the T from Tesla as well when you put Sexla, right? I'm seeing it on the website right now. I'm like, yeah, yeah. People and then people got a little confused because they thought it was it had something to do with the number seven uh, or six. That would be septla. I guess septla would be seven and sext Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he brought up um, the fact that it's a portmanteau. It's sex with a lady. So sex la. Sex la. It has nothing to do with Tesla. And the fact that Tesla would assume that sex is their symbol would mean that they are in fact you know trying to market cars exactly they didn't want to let people on in on that secret because you know once chevy once gm knows then all of a sudden they're making focuses that look like beautiful you know so that yeah their their cars would get sexy and yeah exactly so they dropped it casper when you when you said poor man's hoe was that one of the movies yeah that was that was one of the movies uh, i played a uh, a down on his luck fella. My wife was obviously a person who drove a Tesla and picked me up uh, off the street. It's all it's always me and her. And and now these times we we got to get very creative because uh, you know we got to maintain distance from others. Um, no, you know what I'm I'm looking at one of the, that video right now, and she picks you up, and when she gets you in the car, it's mostly you guys talking about the features of the car. That's right. That's right. Actually, uh, some of our best videos have featured no sex at all. So you would think that that's something that Tesla would be proud of. Former employees talking about the the features of their very sexy car right before having sex in the car, but it's about the features. Well, you would think that, yeah. But here's the other thing. It's because they know that I know too much. Oh, okay. Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit. What What else did you find out? Yeah, I found out a few things and also as a top salesman i got to meet elon musk a couple times oh man what was that like what was that like meeting him he i mean he's as weird as he as he comes off okay i thought so and uh as as you um as you mentioned earlier ferrets are owned by normal people yeah this guy he's got ferrets i knew it i knew it i said elon musk that ferret owning guy i know he's not making cars and like going home to a cat or something he's gotta own like some lizard or something exactly he's got a whole menagerie of of exotic pets uh almost a noah's ark uh of of pets that figures and and i thought that was weird at the time but it only got weirder how so not too long ago just before all this shit started coming down i was doing a video with my wife at the giga factory the Tesla factory, which is like, you know, state of the art. And after it was closed for the night and we stumbled upon 
a meeting and we eavesdrop. It's Elon Musk. And he's talking to not a human. He's not human or he wasn't talking to a human. He was not talking to a human and he wasn't talking in a language that is identifiable as a human language. Whoa, 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 whoa. How, how do you know this? How do you know that it wasn't a human language? I was So I was eavesdropping and I, I was like, what is this language? And I pop out Google Translate and Google Translate is like, oh my God. It's not human. It's not human. Google said that. You brought up Google Translate, and Google Translate said this is not human. It said this isn't human. This is no language that's on Earth. Oh, my God. That's that's wild, man. That's bananas. Was he in a boardroom, or was he with other people or non-people? He was in, yeah, he was in an executive boardroom, and he was talking with only non-people who I, you know, I could make out on a screen, very hard to see. And then he left. And then my wife and I were like, we're like, we gotta go in there. We gotta check it out. We gotta see what's going on. And so we go in there and we see, you know, it's all in scribble scrabble language. We can't understand, but there's all these charts and, and graphs and everything. And you know he's got SpaceX, right? Yeah. So check also check out SpaceX on Sexla. Whoa. Side side note. Sorry, I got to plug again. Got to plug again. Holy, wait a minute. These are the charts and stuff. This is the room. I know. You guys kept filming? You guys kept doing the film after you found this room? That's nuts. Yeah, and then we did we did an explainer video after that because we, we took frames from that because it's, it's, part of it is a video that is for, for stimulation also. But then we dove in. We did a deep dive on that, on those charts and all that. And it looks like, to me, that Elon Musk, he brought GoFeve 19 to Earth. From another planet. Oh, this this, this has got to be why they, they keep testing their um, spaceships, right? Their rockets. Exactly. They're probably trying to send it back. Exactly. He wants to go home. Obviously, Elon Musk is an alien. And that also makes sense. Well, their SpaceX rockets look like, you know, penis and bowls. Yeah, that's, that's another part of it. Is It's like it goes up. And then it comes back down and they send another one up. It's almost like a, a thrusting, mo- like he's having sex with the planet, like the world's biggest porn video we're all being forced to watch. He made them reusable so that you can just come right back down and then you can go back up again. Yeah. And that's what I, the one one of our videos is, I it's called the reusable rocket. Reusable rocket. Let me put that in real fast. Reusable rocket. Oh my God, you got over 500,000 views on this video. Yeah, that one was that. One, I almost got, I almost died of dehydration in that one because. How are you making it go back up and down like that so quickly? Usually, I I, I got to take like forty minutes for it to come back. Supplements. Supplements. So I should I should be doping. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I uh, I can, I've, I'm actually I'm gonna start a line of supplements. Oh man, I'm I, can I get in on the ground floor? Can I invest? Yeah, of course, of course you can get into that. So Casper, just to go back to the way that. Elon Musk got the virus in the first place. Space he used a SpaceX rocket to go out to some other part of the universe, grab this virus, brought it back. To what end? What does he want from doing that? He wants to make the planet uninhabitable. He wants to destroy the planet. Wait a minute. That's why at that uh, South by Southwest car show he said, I will defeat my competitors by any means necessary. 
So I assume this is part of that plan. Exactly. And he, he wants to he wants to get back home. He wants to he wants to funnel all of the resources of the world. They say, ah, this we can't we can't escape this COVID nineteen. Let's give all of our money to SpaceX, and they're doing that. Yeah. Oh wow. It's already started. Elon Musk doesn't want to get all of the human race onto SpaceX rockets and save them to get to his planet. He wants to just go himself. He wants everybody to go, but. To make an omelet, you got to crack a few eggs. I usually just snap an egg open. I don't, I don't crack an egg. You ever take a knife to an omelet? Like I, I take the egg, put it in the bowl, and I take a butter knife and I just saw into it until the, the ooze comes out. That's, that's interesting you say that because I usually – so I just kind of like crush it. Yeah, and then peel it. I just, I just crush it and I squeeze it. Like it's a, like a half-cut lemon. Oh, okay. I just kind of squeeze it and then it all comes out. And uh, mostly because I like the shell too. Actually, that's another secret. Shell is another high uh, nutrient material that you could give yourself to, you know, boost your endurance. I'm gonna start eating the shells. That's a good idea. Casper, did you and Ramona find out anything about the planet that Elon Musk is from? You know, at first we thought Mars, right? Because like that's like he's always talking about Mars. I want to go back to Mars. I don't know. I don't know about that anymore. You think it might be a different planet? I think he's going to another planet other than Mars that's outside of this solar system, and and I think it's called Lone Scum. Lone Scum. Which? Wait, that's Elon Musk backward, isn't it? <laughs> holy! Oh my God! Holy! Well, you just blew my mind. They, he's already named a planet after himself. Now, what an egomaniac! And did you did you and Ramona confront him? Yeah, we did. We we shortly after we made our video in that room. You made you made such a mess in this room too. I mean, I'm still watching the video. We did make a mess in there, and uh, we did not clean it up. Uh, and, uh, you know what? I feel a little bit bad, but you know what? Fuck that guy. Fuck Elon Musk because he's trying to. He's trying to kill most of the planet just for his own goal of because he misses home. What is he? E.T.? Come on. Yeah, I miss home. You don't see me destroying anything. But yeah, we caught up with it. We confronted him. And what did he say? He said, you know, in his very sort of robotic way that space is the future of humanity and this is where we need to go. And all it takes is one one event to kill the planet. So he admitted it, basically. He did. He didn't care. That's what happens with some of these billionaires. You know, they, they, they forget who they are, and they just start speaking the real things that they believe in their heads. And then we all hear it. So, Casper, we have to wrap it up. But is there is there one thing that you would want the listeners of this podcast to know more than anything else about this particular uh, notion? I mean, it seems imminent that uh, Elon Musk is trying to kill the planet, round us up, and take us to uh, his, his uh, what is it called again? Lone, Lone Musk. Lone Musk. I would say hunker down. And uh, when he comes for you, pack your bags. Because it's not like this planet's going to be anywhere you want to stay anymore. Or don't buy Tesla. I'm a Toyota guy. You know, the, Pri- the Prius is really good. Whisper quiet. Oh, sneaks up on you. So sexy. Okay, we'll have to leave it there for now. I want to thank our guest this week, Casper Geronimo, 
Thank you so much for being here, Casper. It was fascinating. And my new co-host, Gino Romero. Gino, thank you again. It's, it's going to be a fun season. Thanks for having me, Tony. Uh, next week, we're going to be joined by Franny Kang, a podiatrist from Parrotsville, Tennessee, who believes you can catch Kofefi 19 by listening to the soundtrack of any movie starring Antonio Banderas. So I hope you will join us. Thank you for listening to Optophobia. I'm Anthony Bouvier. And I'll leave you with this. A Swiss man who eats cheese is holier than thou. If you've got theories about Kofefi 19, we'd like to hear them. You can find us on our website, optophobia.org, or on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at at optophobes. And please subscribe and rate the show if you like it. Thank you to Patrick Slevin, who played Casper Geronimo. Patrick performs with Madeline, a Washington Improv Theater house ensemble. Follow him on Instagram at at pfslevin. Jamal Newman played Gino Romero. Jamal performs with Lena Dunham and Nixon. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter at at hello Newman and find him at jamalnewman.com. Optophobia was produced by Tim Townsend. Our music was composed by Bart Warshaw. Cover art by Claire Smalley. Website by Chance Griffin. Thanks for listening. Until next week, keep them open.